This is CyberSound, your simplified and fundamentals-focused source for all things cybersecurity, with your hosts, Jason Pufall and Stephen Maresca. Welcome to another episode of the CyberSound podcast. I'm Jason Pufall, uh, again with Steve Maresca. And today we're going to spend a little time talking about uh, sort of the more specific uh, threats that we're seeing around supply chain attacks. Uh, Steve, I'm going to throw it right over to you and, oh. and have you quickly... Oh, right on the spot. Right on the spot. Uh, define what a supply chain attack is. So there are many different definitions for supply chain attack, but in, in the most basic sense, it's something that affects suppliers of software or hardware um, that your business uses in collect, conducting its own uh, day-to-day activity. So that, that may mean software that you purchased for the purpose of, uh, you know, creating something that you sell, something that you use to help produce your, uh, to make your infrastructure more effective. It's sort of open-ended. If it's something that you can purchase and something you use in your business and it's attacked by an attacker, that's a supply chain attack. So I think typically when I think of them, I probably think more in the hardware space, the, the inability either to, to get hardware potentially because, you know, third party's been impacted. But we've seen in the news recently a bunch of software ones, uh, specifically, you know, SolarWinds, but that probably six months ago. Uh, and then, you know, within the last week, you know, the, the Kaseya mm. attack. So, uh, I mean, candidly, the, the hardware attacks are uh, more esoteric. They seem more sophisticated. They're more frightening because hardware is tangible. It means, oh, someone touched something I, I can move around. The truth is that software supply chain attacks are far easier to actually achieve. So, you know, when, we, when we're worried about something like SolarWinds or Kaseya, it's because attackers have abused those uh, suppliers' mechanisms for actually deploying their software and therefore enabling attackers to reach the clientele of those entities. So that, that's why it's such a big concern in that case and more effective to actually achieve. If it's software, you know, you can push out an update. And in fact, that's how some of those attacks are achieved. Right. Well, it, it, it's interesting too, the distinction between them in that if you get a piece of hardware that's potentially compromised, it's probably harder to update right. where you know, potentially with the software ones, there's maybe a remediation or mitigation path. Uh, you know, I'm thinking back to some of the laptop issues, uh, you know, a few years back where people were really concerned about laptops coming out of, coming right. out of China. Right. And, and, potentially the hardware that was in those and people just stopped buying. Right. Brand. Absolutely. And the, the other things that often mentioned in the hardware realm are the Stuxnet attacks with industrial controls, mm-hmm. uh, you know, software and, and hardware that impacts uh, uranium refinement and things of that nature. Those are deep, deep nation state sponsored supply chain attacks. What, what we deal with on a day-to-day basis and what most folks are concerned with are, you know, more, um, garden variety, closer to home risks. So in the a couple other episodes, we talked, uh, you know, some about you know, ransomware and the ability to you know, potentially compromise or exploit companies and, you know, focus a lot probably on you know, return on investment and the fact that, you know, cybercrime is a business. They're looking for their targets of opportunity, the easiest way to compromise, um, you know, it strikes me that you know, both SolarWinds and Kaseya, which are your know, tools used by a lot of sort of IT companies, managed service providers to manage their customers, 
offer just a great opportunity to, to potentially impact large volumes of customers or companies in one fell swoop. I mean, is, is that kind of the, the underpinning of these attacks, do you think? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's efficiency of achieving the attack. It, they Those platforms have a many-to-one relationship in terms of payout. An attacker can compromise the parent entity that produces the software and then downstream affect any customer that deploys the software that they've manipulated or otherwise uh, altered. That's why they're especially of interest. Um, you know, the alternative is where you have a piece of software used by a very specific uh, market, a very specific type of entity, and obviously the scope is narrow there. But if it's if it's a piece of software used by an IT service provider, the odds of impacting a lot of uh, companies and customers is extraordinarily high. It, and I have to imagine they're pretty attractive because of the, the level of access a lot of those softwares provide, right? I mean, SolarWinds is designed to essentially have you know, administrative type access into the customers that are you know, clients that have, that have MSP supports, right? So not only do you compromise the software, you really get elevated access into your potential targets, which is you know, sort of that goldmine. Right. You're innately using its uh, more it's broad capabilities in order to do damage. And honestly, they're difficult to pull off. But if you can insert code as an attacker into a piece of uh, software used in that administrative context, uh, I mean, you can do anything. Yeah, with privilege by design, right? right. So you, you get you get everything they want that they try to get through, you know, phishing and, and credential elevation. You know, they're getting by default, which is kind of that goldmine for them. Uh, so you you were talking about say other types of software that that might be impacted. Uh, can you give an example of, of something that comes to mind for you? In the in that broader context, so a minute ago you were saying, hey. You know, there, there's other software that's broadly used, uh, you know, outside of something like a SolarWinds or a Kaseya. Uh, I'm just curious if there's if there's other things that really come to mind that have broad impact or risk. Well, I mean, certainly many vulnerabilities are present in software uh, that companies use. Uh, one example would be like the Microsoft Exchange vulnerability that was back in March. Thousands upon thousands of companies use Microsoft Exchange. Um, you might think on some front, well, isn't that part of the supply chain? Um, but the truth is that exchange itself wasn't modified. It mm -hmm. simply has broad penetration in the market. Therefore, there are lots of potential targets for an attacker to, to reach. Um, but it's not necessarily a supply chain attack unto itself. But it's a useful foil for supply chain attacks in general, in my opinion, because the risks present in the software that companies purchase make their lives easier, to administer their systems, to uh, generate revenue in general. Those risks from those third-party suppliers, those software manufacturers, are essentially inherited by the companies that use them. And we're beholden to the sound security practices of, of those companies. And if they're in any way failing, we as the users of that software fail as well, or at least are exposed to risk. So let's... Let's spend a minute on you know, what can a company do to help protect themselves? Because and, and, it makes me think a little bit about, say, cloud providers, for example, where a lot of organizations have you know, pretty robust security assessments or security questionnaires that they'll provide their cloud suppliers to get a sense of, 
you know, do they adhere to security best practice, development practices, things like that? Um, that gives you a picture of at least how mature or robust a company's security practices are, but it certainly doesn't prevent an attack from occurring or from, you know, say, unwanted code to be injected into you know, some third party. Uh, short of doing some of the, you know, that, that due diligence, do you think there's much a company can do to protect themselves against a supply chain attack like that? I mean, certainly compartmentalization of systems is always a recommendation of ours. And I mean, to the extent that you can protect against the abuse of software intended to act in a privileged manner, yeah, you're, you're limited. The best defense is uh, robust monitoring. It's more of the ability to determine what happened after the fact, if it should occur. Um, but, you know, again, making sure that your vendors and your um, manufacturers that you use on a regular basis or contracts that you establish with cloud providers include um, attestations of their security practices and proof that they are acting in accordance with their uh, defined uh, requirements. Uh, th- those are the things that you need in order to make, uh, in order to generate reassurances that you're less likely to be subject to those issues. That doesn't preclude the fact that one of those suppliers might have a, a rogue inside employee. That happens on a regular basis. We've we've been involved in some incidents where uh, data was exposed due to precisely that issue. Uh, it's not a software attack, but it's akin to a supply chain attack simply because the entity that you entrust with your data allowed it to be exposed in some fashion or enabled it to be exposed because of insecure practices with their own employees. Um, it's, you know, it's a bit of a tangent to a supply chain attack, but I see them as somewhat similar. So it makes, it brings to mind to me the idea of you know, trust, but verify. Right? When you start talking about, are you monitoring? Are you logging? Are you collecting data that at least gives you information, you know, sort of, Post-incident, maybe incident's a little bit of a strong word for some of this, but you know, post-event to be able to say, well, here's where my potential impact was, here's where my risk was. Um, so often when we're dealing with any kind of incident response, you know, the more data that we have, the better equipped we are to answer questions around what the potential impact was. Even with something like a, a solar winds in Kaseya, where really there's a third-party actor who compromised the, the software having visibility really can give your customers peace of mind, can give your company ownership peace of mind. Uh, you know, the, the, the better the clarity of the information you have, the better the questions you can answer. SolarWinds is a really good example of where that's the case. Um, there were very few actual customers of SolarWinds that were truly affected, at least it's a substantial subset of their overall install base. But the monitoring employed by a lot of those organizations allowed them to exclude their infrastructure right. as the focus of the uh, attack. They were still vulnerable. They were still possible to undermine from the attacker's perspective if they felt so inclined, but at least they could say definitively, no, this this didn't occur even if they, they had in fact pushed an update that made us uh, you know exposed. Right. Yeah. I mean, I think the worst thing you can be is in the position where there is an event and you're asked, you know, what's the scope or what's the impact? And your answer is, well, I don't know. Because the reality is with some, some basic steps, you actually can get the information to really know. And these vendors are coming out with really clear information. You know, Kasey is early, and so we don't know what's on there. SolarWinds was able to tell you very clearly what products were impacted. Uh, it was 
pretty straightforward for companies to say, yeah, we use them. You know, no, we don't. And if we do use them, where they deployed in a manner that actually put us at risk. And you, you want to be able to figure that out. Right. And it, it's very common in, in the scenarios that we're describing today that users of the software platforms may not know if they are victims. And that's partly because of the law enforcement involved. That's partly due to the specificity of the attacks. Um, some of the information is quite sensitive and may never be released. But collecting monitoring in a really robust way, it allows you to at least self-assess before the information is made public. Uh, law enforcement obviously engages very aggressively with entities that are known to be compromised or are identified as targets. But you know, if you fall outside of that, when there is a supply chain attack, at least you have something to go back to, to review and make sure that you are as safe as you can be. So I think as we look to wrap up, you know, one of the things that comes to mind for me is you really want to be plugged in a little bit to you know, sort of some of the co common sources that would give you information about these types of attacks, uh, you know, threat posts, uh, SANS, et cetera, so that when something's released, you can pretty quickly triage, uh, sort of assess your vulnerability uh, and, and maybe make some decisions, right? And it could be as simple as you know, shutting down a service or you know, disabling software or something like that. But you want to know as early as you can so that you can take those mitigation steps because you can't control everything. Uh, you need to do your due diligence and you need to be able to react when there's an event. Right. And certainly the companies that are uh, victims, the suppliers, the software manufacturers that are victims of these supply chain attacks have it in their best interest to be open. Right. So they are, in most cases, very willing to describe the issues at hand. Uh, share what's known about how to identify the risk to determine whether attackers are present and relying on their disclosures, their publications, and frankly, those of security researchers working with them uh, is a really, really important thing to pursue in the in the event that you think that you might be impacted by a supply chain attack. Yeah, certainly transparency is key mm -hmm. in all of this. So, um, well, you know, brief brief overview on supply chain attacks. Uh, if anybody's interested in hearing more about that, feel free to reach out to us at Twitter, at Vanguard Security. Uh, we can cover a little bit more detail. Uh, again, thanks for listening to CyberSound and uh, hope you enjoyed it. Stay vigilant, stay resilient. This has been CyberSound.